does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. This is the Fan Midday Show on 93.5107.5 The Fan. Here from the DriveHuber.com studios, the coach Dane Fife to my right, Eddie Garrison directly in front of me. I am Jimmy Cook. We've hit college basketball to a T, but that will continue. It is March after all, but a brief reprieve as free agency in the NFL continues for your Indianapolis Colts. One of the best at following along is Joel A. Erickson of the Indy Star. Nice enough to take some time with us here on a Monday. Joel, uh, any heartbreak felt for you during the first and second rounds of the NCAA tournament? Uh, well, so I, Missouri beats uh, – I went to Missouri. And uh, I, I Missouri beats uh, Utah State in the first round. And I felt pretty good about the season at that point because it's first, you know, first uh, first tournament win since, like, 2010. First year with a new coach. Weren't expected to be there. You felt like you're playing with house money at that point. And then – Arizona loses to Princeton, and you're like, well, now that's gone. It's not house money anymore, and then you get blown out by Princeton. So <laughs> it, it kind of ruined the uh, what should have been the joy of watching Kansas lose as a one seed. Um, but, yeah, so that not, not great for me. And then the other one, the other one I, I always watch Marquette because I'm from Wisconsin, so I usually watch Wisconsin, Marquette, and Missouri. And it's just, it's just crazy. Izzo's been doing this for so long, but he just – he just puts everybody in that blender in March, and and it, it you, you get grimed up, and the next thing you know, you've lost. When uh, no matter how, how tough you think you are, Michigan State always takes it to another level. I bet on Princeton, so I apologize, um, but that was the only smart bet I made all weekend. So I am I am sorry. That was more yeah, just because I liked the ride of the Tigers. Good for you, you won. Yeah, I mean, oh, it's it good for me. I, then I wasted it all away on on Indiana, and and also foolishly doubting Tom Izzo in March. But hey, what are you gonna do? Uh, you got you got a Michigan State reference out of the gate, Dave. I'm, I'm sure you're thrilled Joel, about that. Joel, much appreciated. As a Spartan <laughs> fan, I'm trying to convince the rest of our market that stop spinning your wheels, stop grinding yourself into the ground, and just become Michigan State fans. They win in March. <laughs> and same with the Missouri yeah, market. Yeah, I'll work into You can't feel good, though, about, about, about Izzo getting up there in age because – well, I love him, but at some point he's going to retire. Uh, no, he's not. He's going to he's going to die on the sideline, die in the chair. Guaranteed. He's going to be like guaranteed. He'll be like Vince Lombardi, <laughs> Joe Paterno. When he retires, he dies, <laughs> and so he's going to do it. I mean, hey, look, Beheim's like seven seventy nine. Was about to bring that up. <laughs> uh, Shusheski was high seventies. Um, you know, as long as the little guy can move around and, and yell and smack <laughs> his fist into his hand, Isos Cohen forever. He's here to stay, folks. And uh, and as long as he's around, I think that we might as well just plan on March being called Izzo. <laughs> Joel, chating to the Colts for just a second. You have obviously been on the beat. You know the needs of this team. And we talked about it last week that the quarterback market in terms of veterans to bring in was getting thin. They ultimately, last week to end the week, bring in the mustachioed maestro himself and Gardner Minshew. Familiarity there with Shane Steichen. First question, depending on what they do in the draft, obviously we all think it's going to be quarterback. Minshew under center week one? 
Uh, that's my guess. I mean, you assume that they're drafting not just a, a rookie quarterback, but you also assume that they're drafting that they're drafting the third rookie quarterback, and that kind of puts you more in the in the uh, realm of guys who who probably have some need some seasoning and might take a little while. So yeah, I, I'd assume uh, you know that Minshew's going to be the guy week one. Joel uh, Richardson's my guy. I think uh, my sources tell me, and I have no sources, so but my sources tell me. Uh, that Richardson's the guy that they're going to draft. What I said a couple weeks ago, I, I think what he does is it is going to be. There are going to be some growing pains, which buys time for the Colts organization. Um, and so, what I think is, as you said, I think Minshew's a starting quarterback too. But I think Richardson's their guy. If not, do you think it's Levis? I mean, where, where do where do you stand on those two things? I, it's it's hard to tell, and, and so I've been saying this for a while, ever since the combine. But the thing that makes it hard to tell is that um, I, I know Chris Ballard is going to take the opinion of his head coach into account. Uh, obviously, it's Steichen's offense. Steichen's going to be the one working with him, and so Steichen's going to play a big role in this. And the thing that matters most to Steichen is something that I don't think that we can necessarily see uh, here in the pre-draft process. You know, right. Steichen talked a lot about how what he's looking for is this obsession uh, with with the craft and with playing quarterback and this obsession with preparation and being in there all the time. Uh, and I, I just don't know that we can know any of that for sure on this side of the on this side of the, the curtain. You know, because it's 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 something specific that Steichen is looking for and you know, I think all of these guys, their coaches and them are going to say, you know, I care about it a lot and I prepare. But clearly, clearly there's a there's a different thing to the way Hertz and Herbert and and uh, Rivers prepared than some of the other quarterbacks Shane Steichen's been around. And so I think I think that that's that's the that's the hard part for me is there's this piece that matters to Shane Steichen more than anything else, and it's not something we can really get at. Um, we we can we can. We can guess. We can take some 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 comments from some coaches and stuff like that, and and guess. But I, I, ultimately, it's going to come down to what Shane Steichen gets out of his pre-draft process from talking to these guys. Yeah, and and Joel, when you we talk to Chappie, he's just it's quarterback or die. Is there any scenario that you can envision where the Colts don't draft a quarterback and get somebody that can either block a human or can pass rush? and get by another human uh, on the defensive side, do you see any scenarios where maybe they bring in another uh, QB? I, I think I think that the scenarios are – I think this is very low probability. I wouldn't say that these are high probability at all. Um, but the, the probability is very low. Like the, the, there's a scenario where um, – well, that's really only one scenario, but the, the the one scenario I see is if you get to a point where, say, say the Raiders trade over you and three quarterbacks are off the board, um, or or say you get to the fourth pick and you, you've done your work and you, you don't feel as good about you know the third and fourth quarterbacks on the board as, as everybody else does, and you like Hendon Hooker from Tennessee – then I could see you taking, you know, Will Anderson or something at four and trying to get back into the first in order to get Hooker. That's the one scenario that I've kind of left out there. I don't think it's a very high probability of a scenario just because it usually takes that super high pick. 
but if 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 there's going to be a chance where they don't take one with their first pick in the draft, that's that's the scenario. I think you you end up, you know, Carolina takes their guy, Houston takes their guy, and you're going. I I don't have as as big a difference of a grade on these guys as everyone else does, and we're comfortable taking Hooker, so we're going to go get you know uh, a true edge rush guy in in uh, Will Anderson. Joel Erickson of the Indy Star. Nice enough to take some time with us here in the DriveHuber.com studio. You can follow him on Twitter at Joel A. Erickson. Joel, over the cap, has it listed based on all the information that teams have or that those that cover the sport have available to them, around $20 million in cap space for the Colts, however they want to operate with, one of five teams with 20-plus million at their disposal, but that doesn't mean the money necessarily has to be spent this year, when you look at this regime, the track record might lead you to think, well, they're not going to be ultra aggressive and spend every last dollar. But when you look at what's left in free agency, where do you think that'll get allocated to and how aggressive will Chris Ballard be as free agency rolls on? I, I think there's probably a couple more signings coming. I don't think that there's going to be a late signing. Well, I, I guess just looking, I was looking through some of the list at the position of me, me today of the players available. I think it's it's maybe less likely this year that there's a Stefan Gilmore-ish type signing coming where, um, you know, where where it's it's a it's a big name guy after the owners' meetings, kind of kind of deeper into April, just because there's not a lot of guys like that out there right now. Uh, it wasn't a very deep free agent class to begin with, and on top of that, you know, it's they moved off of Gilmore, so I don't know if you're going to see another signing like that. Um, I think there, you'll probably see a couple of signings that, you know, cornerback is thin. I think wide receiver is pretty thin right now. I think you could see a, a move at those positions to add some depth. Um, I'm not really expecting a big one, but for, for two re- for two reasons. Well, I guess three. Number one, that's not how Ballard usually does it. Number two, they they moved off of Gilmore, and I don't know. I think, and then that's the big thing is, is this team kind of in a evaluation mode? Uh, with with the young quarterback they're going to get, are they expecting that it's going to be hard for them to contend with the quarterback situation the way it's going to be this year? And are they kind of willing to, um, I don't know, tread water right. until they, they know where they are next year? You know, I've, I've said this too, uh, Joel. If First of all, um, the Richardson draft – Drafting Richardson intrigues me because what I think it does is it, you know, when you when you fast forward to the end of the year with the Colts, the idea would be to leave Colts fans with hope, because right now it feels like it's a win, win, win or die, winner, winner, winner else scenario. Do you get that sense that it is a winner else scenario for the for the Colts, particularly Chris Ballard? See, I I don't think it is. I mm-hmm. I think that. When he made it through Frank Reich's firing and, and led the search that led to Shane Steichen, and we're we're going to get answers to this in about a week when uh, um, when we're at the when I'm at the owners' meetings and, and some other reporters are at the owners' meetings, we get our chance to talk to Jim Mersey. But my my read of the situation has been that uh, once once he once he got through this, I think he's going to get a chance to build with Shane Steichen because you. Arranged marriages where you bring in a GM who didn't hire the head coach, um, those those are, are very difficult to pull off in the NFL. 
And I think Jim Irsay knows that. I don't think you hire Shane Steichen and then handicap him immediately by getting rid of the GM. Now, I, I could be wrong. Maybe Irsay says something different. But that's what I – the way I've been operating is once once he got a chance to hire the next head coach, that's, that's they're together, I would guess, um, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I think that's a great point. That's a really good point. Where if Chris Chris Ballard truly did the hiring, then then that's that's probably the best point we've made all day. And my last question is: I can't convince Eddie Joel to play the Michigan State fight song, and I don't know why. Other than, like, my question to you is: you live in the greater Indianapolis area, right? Yes. Would yes. you have a problem listening to the Michigan State fight song? I'm sure it's not your first choice. My the Michigan fight song used to be my favorite, then Notre Dame. But having worked for Tom Izzo and the Spartans for ten years, the Michigan State fight song is the best. Joel, there's no pander pressure, by the way. You can answer freely, and I can't get Eddie to play it, and I don't know why. Would you have a problem hearing the Michigan State fight song if you were tuned in? I uh, I don't know that I, I don't. I'll be honest. I, I, as much as I respect Izzo, I don't know that I want to hear it today. As, as a <laughs> As a Marquette, as a Marquette fan, it's a tough guy to ask. No, well, that's fair. It's a tough that, guy to ask that's today. That's fair. Let's and, assume uh, they didn't I, beat the brains out of Marquette that, yesterday. The area, my guess is that in the area, Purdue and Indiana fans uh, aren't really feeling as celebratory as you are at the moment. So I just think if you're be, not, might be smart not to play the fight song. Okay, well then, then <laughs> that's it. He's not. He's not. He gave you an the, honest answer, right? But he's not. He's not going to receive the. Um, the uh, goodies that we have for him from our sponsor today. and they were pretty nice too <laughs> last question on my end joel uh, we're gonna have plenty of these throughout now in the draft but i really didn't think that it would take off at all in terms of colts coverage um lamar jackson's name is being floated back out there on a rumor mill standpoint not from a like the colts are gonna do this type of thing not even that chris ballard has picked up the phone and had a conversation about it but that would be a pretty big shift the way I felt like things were going. Are you in on that at all? Is there any legitimacy to the idea that they're going to explore that? Or is the Minshew signing and the fourth pick they're armed with pretty clear that they aren't into giving up both money and picks, even for a player as talented as Jackson? It's it's hard to tell with Jackson. I think you kind of see this with just how little news there is with yeah. him that there's not speculation because he doesn't have an agent. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of times, a lot of times, that's where some of the reports and stuff come from. Is is there's there, the player has an agent and he uses you know the reports and stuff to kind of negotiate. Um, Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent, and I think most people around here know the Colts like to the Colts like to operate pretty quietly uh, when they're doing that stuff. So it's it is it's harder I think with someone who doesn't have an agent to get uh, a, a firm read on it because it's harder to get a chance to. It, there's just not as, as much of an opportunity for for uh, uh, leaks. Although I, I thought, did I, I can't, I might have seen today that Lamar Jackson was going to do some kind of YouTube channel press conference with himself or something. Nice. Um, so there might be some information coming out at some point. Um, it, he's he's such an interesting guy because obviously you know. We, Colts fans, the last time they played the Ravens, they, they understand what Lamar Jackson could be. Um, but obviously there's a there's a considerable investment there. If if he's if Lamar Jackson is sudden, was suddenly here, that changes the the entire way yeah. um, it seems like they've been operating. Not not just from the, the, the Minshew signing, but if you're gonna go get Lamar Jackson, I, I would have kept 
Stephon Gilmore because um, that getting Lamar Jackson would put me right in the feels like it would put me right in the mix for the, the AFC South title. So I don't know. The winds don't seem to be blowing that way, um, but we'll have to we'll have to see if there's anything coming out of it. But again, it, it's tough. There's there's no agent, so there's less leaks. One crazy rumor after another. I, I know it's your job to whiff through all that. We appreciate you making time for us, as always, Joel. Yep, yep. Thanks for having me on, guys. Good stuff, Joel. Thank you. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Inside the drive, Huber.com studios, Eddie, Eddie Garrison guiding us through the afternoon all day long. Alongside Dane Fife, I'm Jimmy Cook. Continuing along our March Madness roundup around the state. Definitely a shorter end than both fan bases, Indiana and Purdue, had in mind going into the NCAA tournament. And definitely a far quicker one than particularly the Purdue faithful had in mind going up against FDU this past Friday night. Ryan Newbert of goldenblack.com. Nice enough to take some time with us. Brian, for you, obviously the shock value is there. The frustration, I'm sure, is there as well. Uh, your initial reaction, take us back when that goes final on Friday night. I mean, it's uh, kind of all of Purdue's worst nightmares kind of converged um, from the shooting to the matchup issues to just the weight of the moment for that team. I kind of thought Purdue sort of overachieved all season. I didn't know, you know, how well they were built for March. Uh, it's sort of becoming increasingly difficult to play big uh, in the NCAA tournament, as a lot of teams are sort of learning. Um, but it, it was shocking. Whatever, you know, kind of dynamics sort of went into it, you still can't lose to FDU. And that's what happened. They played small. Uh, they created some matchups. Purdue missed practice shots. You know, their streaky three-point shooting was one of their existential threats all season long. And it uh, it came to bear at the worst time. Brian, first of all, thank you for joining us. This is your You're first. Welcome. This is the first time back in the gauntlet for you. I know you're on the men getting healthy, so thank you for joining us. Uh, I was in the building, Brian, uh, in Columbus, and I said earlier i i had a I just had a knot in my stomach. I was a Purdue fan, Fletcher Lawyer, Coach Painter, Terry Johnson, Brandon Brantley. All those guys are the best. Fletcher Lawyer's from my hometown. Cruda's brother Foster. I was I was in the twenty five percent of people in the arena that were rooting for Purdue and not chanting FDU the whole time, and so uh, and having been through the Michigan State Middle Tennessee State two fifteen game, uh, this was worse for me. I, it, it worse for in in Purdue's case because 
when when I was with Michigan State and we're playing Middle Tennessee State, we were at least scoring. Like we couldn't stop yeah. Middle Tennessee State, but we were at least scoring. And scoring creates a different feeling. Like Purdue was stopping. I thought they they defended well enough to win the game against FDU. They couldn't score, and I think it speaks right. to you saying, hey, look, it's tough. And and I just said, when you catch, I said, the one thing that I might have tried doing was not in practice, wasn't in the huddles. But if I'm Matt Painter, the one thing that I might have tried doing, and I don't know if they've done it all year, was to take Zach Eady out and see what your offense looks like. Because I played with Kirk Haston, as you probably remember, and when you yeah. catch the ball and see Kirk Haston's big butt wide open in the post, you're not looking at the rim. You're looking at Kirk. And I, I'm sure it looked like it was the same for Purdue. And then they'd catch and look and wait a minute. And I'm sure you've seen this throughout the season. Uh, and then they take the shot, a flat-footed three-point uh, shot. I saw Gillis take three flat-foot foot ones. Right. The last right. one was like a curveball. And I think Gillis is a pretty dang good shooter. So my, my question, my point and question is, um, as you said, it's, it's probably something where it's not a big man's game as much anymore and and Purdue did overachieve did you see the same thing that I saw in terms of um, perhaps a, an adjustment is is to is to go small and see what your team looks like a little bit yeah go, uh, going small for Purdue means putting Trey Kaufman right in at center and they still play through him when he's in there yeah. they you know Purdue's had a lot of success offensively this year using Zach Eady and Braden Smith and pick and roll late yep. in the season that that kind of gotten that kind of got, I don't know if I want to say taken away, but I think people were a little more conscious of it, started loading up the lane a little bit more to take up some space. Um, so that was an important part of their offense early in the season. That sort of went by the wayside uh, later in the season. But I think FDU's strategy was just, we're not even going to bother guarding shooters. If you guys make 23s, then we're going to live and die that way. And Purdue couldn't do it. And that's where I, I kind of thought Purdue played tight. I thought the weight of the moment really mm. kind of showed up for them. I thought, you know, um, if FDU loses that game, they're not the headline on ESPN that night. They don't have to go back to their fan base and get tweeted at, you know. Yep. Uh, that's kind of the nature of one team having everything to lose and the other team having nothing to lose. And I, I thought that Purdue looked like they were kind of, kind of weighed down by that. And once you miss 10 threes, you know, the next 10 get a little dicey. And, you know, Purdue is a streaky three-point shooting team anyway. Yep. And yep. they were just dared to make practice shots. Yep. Those were those were pregame warm-up shots that, that they were being given. And they just couldn't make them. And that speaks to me like they just kind of felt the weight of it. And uh, they were kind of wishing the ball in the basket. Right. Well, well I felt the weight of it. <laughs> you could feel it at home, and you could feel it in the yeah. arena. Yeah. Yeah. And and so when you're watching as a – let's just put yourself in fan mode. Um, if you can. If you do your best. If you can. But when you're watching during the game, um, Brian, watching the game on the big screen um, – what what was your frustrations as you or put yourself in the shoes of a fan and what what was your frustration knowing what you know about the team going into the season throughout the season and then in the tournament well what was tough about this for purdue um is that you know this is three years in a row now you've lost a double digit seed um you know people this is the most final four hungry fan base i can 
I can imagine because it's been so long mm-hmm. and you know, that's a good thing and a bad thing. You yep. know, it's a good thing that your fans are passionate. It's a bad thing when it gets weaponized and it becomes this kind of cloud of negativity around your program. And as soon as, as soon as, you know, Purdue, uh, as soon as the big 10 title game got close at the end, there was just this kind of sense of existential dread around the program. Among the fans. <laughs> Are you kidding and me? Wow. This is exactly, this is exactly what a lot of people, you know, were afraid was going to happen. And now it, it kind of becomes Purdue's thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that they just kind of have to sit in until they have another chance to kind of dispel it. And that's what they're going to have to do next season. If, they want this sort of cloud of negativity to kind of lift. Now, how much this stuff matters, I don't know. But you asked me the question from a fan's perspective. I don't know how much Purdue cares about perception, you know, kind of things like that. But perception is going to be what perception is going to be here. And, right. You know, things aren't going to be positive on social media and things aren't going to be positive on message boards. And, yep. you know, Purdue's going to hear it on CBS again next year that, um, you know, this team has lost three straight years to double-digit seeds, yeah. all relatively uh, all relatively uh, similar games in the sense that the, they played somebody smaller and they right. couldn't guard them and, yep. you know, stuff like that. They couldn't impose their will on the game and right. kind of things like that. And it's going to haunt Matt Painter. It's going to haunt Purdue. And they just have to dispel it one of these years. Brian Newbert of Golden Black. Nice enough to take some time with us. You can follow him on Twitter, at Brian Newbert. A great follow. Indeed. Oh, so what is his Twitter handle? It's a must. At it's Brian a, Newbert. Gosh, that's simple. Yeah. Sweet, elegant. If I could read, I'd get it, I could get it right. Uh, <laughs> Brian, Brian for, he's a great follow. No, he, he, indeed. He doesn't even say, he doesn't, you know, even when he tries not to say funny things, they are funny. <laughs> great. That's why I had him on here. He's, he's a stud. Is that a compliment? Yes. <laughs> Well, the so things you do. Thoughts, my most carefully cultivated takes are still funny. No, no, I could. You, when you speak to the 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 upper echelon of intelligent people, which I put myself in that group, despite my ability to read, I recognize your joke, even despite you knowing that you're not really trying to be funny because they don't know. So you're both insightful and funny at the same time. It's usually your late night tweets that really get me go, really get me charged. <laughs> well, thank you guys. I appreciate that. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Brian, you can wear either hat. The uh, Jimmy's an IU fan, by the, the way. Uh, I mean, I, I'm a Spartan fan. <laughs> Brian, when did you? When did it become real? Like as a fan or as a, as a reporter, either hat you want to wear there. Because for me, just watching it, about under eight 
and then under four when this is still about a one-point game or a one-point disadvantage for Purdue is when it really got real for me that this might actually happen. Because still to that point, regardless of the shots not falling, I thought Purdue would still be able to, whether it was force-feeding Zach Eady or something, they would pull through at the end of the day given the advantages they had. When did it become real for you? Yeah, I think when Purdue went on that run in the second half to seemingly take control of the game, I can't remember if it was the first half or second half. They went up second. Yeah, I second half. They might have gone up ten or something like that. No, it, I don't think it was ten. It, it, it was a pretty decent lead, and as soon as FDU answered that, you know, I, I thought that all the pressure really shifted to Purdue, and um, I thought they had a problem on their hands. Uh, but you know. The, they just couldn't stay in front of the basketball. And that's one of the biggest things here about this outcome, too. You look at the number of points in the paint after you had, really not acceptable um, from Purdue's perspective. I think that, you know, Purdue got figured out a little bit as the season went on. I think when you look at the Big Ten's results this weekend, I think part of Purdue's issue in the NCAA tournament is a Big Ten issue, too. I think, you know, you play 20-plus games where you're just punching each other in the face all season long. Yep. All of a sudden, you get hit with a very different style of play. And why that doesn't work in the Big Ten's favor, I can't tell you. Uh, Purdue has not been able to impose its will on these games the way you would think a team with a giant human would be able to. But the, the matchups have really gone against Purdue where they right. run into these opponents that can spread them out. They're better than the teams that you play in non-conference. And people make threes, people drive on you. I think the same thing happened in Indiana last night. Um, even though, even though Miami's a much better team than FDU, I, I just think the athleticism. Yeah, they got out rebounded by yeah, one hundred and thirty-seven. Yeah, like quickness matters more than height. You know, quickness and and length matter more than height. Um, but I and think football. that you know, P- Purdue just. You know, kind of plays its style, and yeah. its style is kind of tough. And I think, I think the Big Ten, the whole, you know, kind of all across the board, the only teams that really, you know, spread Purdue out this year and tried to drive and shoot were uh, were Penn State and Ohio State, and Purdue went six and zero in those games. So, right, you know, I don't know what to tell you, but you know, a couple of years ago, North, a couple of years ago, North, North Texas did it to Purdue last year. St. Peter's, to a lesser extent, did it to Purdue, and this year, obviously, it was. Uh, fairly dickinson what's the biggest factor to zach Eady returning is it nil is it getting a shot at redemption is it not liking where his stock could be what's the biggest thing if he decides to ultimately give it one more go well i think you know obviously he's not the most modern big man um so i think that there's going to be a very narrow pool of interested parties so i think the business side of this you have to look at where he'd get drafted I think he's having a blast at Purdue. I think he likes it, even though the actual basketball can't be all that much fun for him when he kind of he kind of takes the abuse he takes and all of that stuff. But I think that um, when you look at the money, I mean, the, the nature of college basketball nowadays is you can make just as much money in college probably as you could as a fringe, you know, draft pick. And uh, hey, if I'm Tim Hortons, I'm all over that. Coffee and donuts, <laughs> money. Tim Hortons. Uh, what's another good Canadian company? Um, do they have any? Uh, maybe uh, maybe ice hockey. Is ice hockey uh, franchised? Who made the beer in Strange Brew? Labatt's. <laughs> I don't think it was Labatt's. Um, 
You know, uh, the thing for him, though, is unless he can get like a U.S. work visa, all his stuff has to go through Canada. So that's why you don't really see mm. him in. That's why you don't really see him in commercials. You don't really. I think see Brian face and a lot of Newbert's got a problem with Tim Hortons. <laughs> you don't like their There's Munchkins. Fort Wayne now, you know. There's Timbits. Timbits. The Timbits aren't as good as the Dunkin' Munch. The Munchkin Donuts. Timbits. They don't have a selection. I, They've got one in Fort Wayne. That's good to yeah. hear. Timbits. I have never uh, been to Tim Hortons. So I'll have to take your word for it. <laughs> Well, Zach might have a few coupons along with his NIL, Zach Eady. <laughs> Brian, appreciate you making time for us. Thank yeah, you so no much problem. for all your coverage. Glad to hear you're doing better. You and can follow him at Brian Newbert indeed. on Twitter. He is a great, not a good, not a good as Dockage say, not a good, a great follow as Dockage would say. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Brian, thanks, man. See ya. Yeah. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Pacers, Hornets tonight. Obviously, be here on the fan, 6.30. But, of course, you can catch the action as well on Bally Sports Indiana, which is the home of our next guest, the TV voice of your Indiana Pacers, the great Chris Denary. Nice enough to take some time with us. Jimmy Cook and Dane Fife here on the fan. Chris, when we were texting a couple weeks ago, you were highlighting the beginning of this long stretch of road trips. You're finally... At the last long journey of 2022-2023, obviously a, a seasoned vet in your own right, but but, but how are we doing uh, now that we're this close to the top of the mountain in terms of road trips? Yeah, I was, uh, uh, I think my wife let me know um, after Saturday, when we get back uh, after the Atlanta game, we'll have been on the road 23 of 30 days. So it's been, uh, you know, since the All-Star break, uh, had a, a home game against Boston and then it started it was 11 of 14 on the road so uh, you know the one thing that the NBA has done I think over the last few years especially coming out of COVID is they've bunched you have more multiple game road trips than you probably had before I mean we started the year uh, we had a five game road trip to start then we had a seven game road trip which I don't mind I mean from the standpoint that a lot of times in previous years it'd be home game, road game, home game, road game. And it seemed like you were just driving back and forth uh, to the airport. So um, it is what it is. I think part of uh, it's odd because usually in March, the Pacers are on the road a lot because Gingrich Fieldhouse is home to either the you know Big Ten women or the Big Ten men or an NCAA tournament. It's ironic that we're on the road and none of that is at Gingrich Fieldhouse this March. So uh, yeah, we see the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, first of four straight tonight here in Charlotte. Six and four over the last ten, or the Pacers uh, three and two in their last five. Chris, I, I apologize on a better analysis than it's been a rocky up and down 
stretch at times this season. I know you've experienced that as well, and it's a never-ending push-pull among the fan base. Obviously, the Pacers and the coaches are doing their best to win games and make that push to the play-in, but amongst the fan base of, do we want more ping-pong balls or do we want to dip the toe in the water in the play-in? Not necessarily which side you're pulling for. I know which one you're pulling for. You want to see the team continue to win, but where is the roller coaster right now in your mind? Is it on the upswing and they're going to have enough in the tank to make that final push to the play in? Or will they truly be tested here knowing that they have five of their last seven at home once this road trip's done? Well, I really sort of looked at the whole season as an upswing, just from the standpoint that you had a very young roster, you had a new group and you were trying to see, you know, what they had. You're trying to see guys step up because really what you're looking at is the future of this franchise. And, uh, you know, they changed the dynamics last year when they made the trade and brought in Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, had an excellent summer last year in the draft with Benedict Matherin and Andrew Nemhard. Uh, you know, some guys that they've picked up. Aaron Neesmith did not play much in Boston. He's played well. Uh, Jordan Wara has played uh, very well for the Pacers over the last month. So I tend to look at it, you know, as the whole context of the season and what they've been trying to accomplish. Now, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, uh, they're a game and a half behind Chicago for that final play-in spot. They're basically deadlocked with Washington. Uh, Chicago has a pretty tough schedule the remainder, but then so too do the Pacers. I mean, they next week they've got to play Dallas at home and Milwaukee at home. So we'll just have to wait and see. But, but I, I like what I've seen. I mean, this was a team that they had gone 11 straight games on the road with losses. And now they've won five of seven on the road and had an impressive win last Thursday in Milwaukee against the Bucks, And that was against Giannis and Middleton and Holiday. So this is a team that clearly has shown that they can, can rise to the occasion. They've been really good offensively, but not as good defensively. I mean, they, they've been able to score. Uh, the question is, is, do you have enough to get stops? And, and we'll just have to wait and see how that plays out here at the end of the year. Chris Dane here. How are you? Hey, how are you, Dane? I'm doing tremendous. Happy to be here with the boys. Uh, quick switch here. I got to know how your bracket's doing, my man. <laughs> uh, my bracket got pretty much busted up, though. I looked at one of the uh, one of the, uh, one of the bracket uh, that I'm in, and I'm sixth. And I'm thinking, how wow. am I sixth? Ooh. But but it's gonna go away real quick because I had Duke winning it and. Uh, <laughs> You know, so uh, it's all, uh, you know, I, I was a big College of Charleston guy, mm-hmm. uh, Dane. I mean, I really like Pat Kelsey. I remember Pat when he played at Xavier when yeah. I was doing Butler games. And uh, so there are a lot of teams that I, I went with. But um, I think that I think I'm going to fall quickly, Dane. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I still I think I have 10 of the 16 teams still remaining. But I but I'd have to look at who I have winning. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I just – I shouldn't have done that. I mean, is the ACC that strong this year? Right. No, it's not. You, Dane, don't, don't you think it, it's tough to it's tough to win a conference tournament and then move forward? I mean, you were a long-time – you've been a long-time coach, yeah. you know, in the Big Ten. And tough to, to go far in a conference tournament and then go far in the NCAA? Uh, I don't know that I put too much stock into that. I've been on both sides of that. Um I just I I think that you said it the the ACC is not very strong and you're the the Duke Blue Devils are of course young but it it's really hard to win now young because of the transfer portal. 
it's even yep. harder. I had Texas, and mainly because they beat the brakes off Kansas. Kansas was my team uh, probably the second half of the year, but and I still have Texas. I think Texas, what they did to Cam- uh, Kansas in the conference tournament was impressive, um, although they've got Houston. Um, you know, talking about you're around the Pacer guys, I'm not sure to the extent you're around them. Um, do you hear them talking uh, back and forth about uh, the NCAA tournament? What do those guys do? What do those guys talk about? I think it's interesting, that dynamic. Uh, I, I always used to hear Draymond, Draymond Green talk back and forth with some of his teammates like Steph Curry, Clay Thompson when it was tournament time. Do those guys, do you think those guys are dialed into it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we uh, the, the, the one thing that Rick Carlisle has done and uh, he's got a great staff, and this has been a great group. Is he includes us as broadcasters as a part of the travel party? So uh, when we got to Charlotte last night, we had a team meal, and uh, it, on on each end of the room we were um, in, it had the NCAA tournament on, and you've got guys going back and forth. I mean, I made a note tonight uh, of the Pacers roster: uh, Miles Turner, Texas is still alive. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Nemhard Gonzaga is still alive. Everybody else, and that's it, um, huh? You know, it, that's it. Arizona's out, Kentucky's out, Maryland's out. And then I looked over at the Charlotte roster as well. Uh, Kai Jones played at Texas, so they're still alive. And Book Knight played at UConn. Okay. But Mark Williams from Duke, and uh, Nick Richards from Kentucky, and JT Thor from Auburn, Kelly Oubre from Kansas. They're all yep. gone, right? Yep. So yeah, oh absolutely. These guys are are talking about it and talking trash to each other and, and those types of things, whether their team's in or not. Because then all of a sudden you become a representative of a conference, right? If yep, your team is right. out, then then you go. You know, absolutely. If you're Big 12, then all of a sudden you're you're rooting for all the Big Twelve teams. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm sure Quinn Buckner's. Um pretty hurt this morning some of the players will probably give him some crap uh for sure yeah um, we were talking about that and, and that to your point dane about the acc i was really impressed by miami last night i mean i i just thought that you know larry egg is a heck of a coach yeah. he had a great game plan and yeah. uh, you know guards guards win i mean wings yeah. win and, and they were really good yeah and i thought they were very well prepared and you might tell quinn forward this to quinn tell him uh he can join me with the michigan state spartans if he'd like i would i would welcome him in name <laughs> okay. my daughter after him i would welcome him in he can we'll give him a temporary pass if he'd like to be a Mich- michigan state spartan for the next couple weeks just forward that along uh i, I will do that i, I think it's interesting uh, you know, you're on the road that long. If you're the Pacers or whoever it may be, fatigue plays a role. I think mental fatigue plays a role. What are some things that you notice that that keeps morale up? You no, know, winning keeps morale up. Yeah. But just the day to day, and and I thought I think it's interesting. This is the first year that you've been with. Is it the first year or since? Uh, is the first year you've been with the travel party or the first couple years? Yeah, I mean, we didn't travel the last two years. I mean, I you know, I've traveled. Yeah. This is year 17 for me, and we went, what, 15, and then COVID hit. And then the last two years, um, you know, we did not travel. We did mm-hmm. things from the studio. And we've always had access. I mean, from yeah. uh, the Pacer standpoint, we've always been able to go to practice. We've always been around the team. We're mm-hmm. on the uh, plane. We're on the buses. But Rick is one of those that, you know, a lot of times they would have team functions and we'd be around some, but not like we are now. I mean, we're, it, it's way more inclusive. And I, I think to your point, Dane, I think it's when you're out on the road, it, it's events like last night that just bring people together and sort of break right. up 
the monotony, right? Yep. I mean, that's that's the one thing. It's you know, tonight we'll we'll fly right after the game and go to Toronto. Uh, we play the Raptors on on Wednesday. That'll take a while because you got to go, you know, go through customs and all those kinds of things. Uh, so yeah, I think any any way that you can break up the monotony on the road. Um, uh, we were talking the other night. Uh, Eddie Gill is on the road with us. He'll do uh, analyst work in our pre and post on TV tonight. He's with Mark Boyle on radio on the fan. And I think it was the last time he was on the road with us. He went bowling with like Jalen Smith and you know a bunch of the guys. And so yeah, you just have to do some of those things, especially right. when you're on these long road trips. Yeah, it breaks up the monotony. It, it improves morale. When you got people you can lean on and laugh with, and you and you trust to an extent, that's that's a good thing. And I think uh, it's interesting you point that stuff out. But um, I'm just amazed. Uh, you know, do you think do you think that the fact that um, this is a young group, um, do you think that helps? I mean, I just I just look at the Pacers and I see so much. I see growth, but I also see. Um, I see hope. I see hope, not just, oh, we've got a chance. I see hope where you've got something really special going. I totally agree with that. I mean, I, I think that's the, that's the thing that – and the fan base has really embraced it. I've been really impressed by the crowds this year. I yeah. mean, and and just the, 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 the people that have been enthusiastic about the team. And, and to your point, I think a couple of things. They, they've, they've got some good young players. Tyrese Halliburton's like the Pied Piper. I mean – um, he's a great leader. He's great in the locker room. I mean, he's he's a pass-first point guard who can score. But then they've got some veterans. I mean, James Johnson's been around all year long, and he's been a real asset to the big guys. And then, you know, last month having George Hill come back, and, mm-hmm. and he's done a lot of good things with Andrew Nemhard and with Tyrese. He's a great ear. He has a, you know, he has a presence. He's, he's, I think he's played of his 15 years. He's been in the playoffs 13 years. Uh, part of the, the the great run that the Pacers had back in thirteen and fourteen in the Eastern Conference Finals, played in the NBA Finals with Cleveland. So, I think it's a really good mix of youthful energy and and guys who have been there and done that that can share their experiences with them as they move forward. Kristen Airy, play by play. For Bally Sports Indiana, for your Pacers in his seventeenth year at the helm, Chris. For the Pacers, as they are two back in the lost side of that final spot in the play-in behind Chicago and, and the injury report, like this for a lot of teams around this time of year, but continues to vary by the day, but also stack up a bit. Tyrese Halliburton out tonight. Uh, Benning Mather in questionable. Chris Duarte questionable. Just a couple names there. How does the medical staff, the coaching staff, how do they balance all of this out? Some injuries a little longer than others as they are in this flux position of still trying to make a push to get into the play-in. Yeah, I mean, you've always got to be careful, you know, with a player and with an injury. I mean, the good news today is, you know, we saw Torte and Matherin during shoot-around back out on the floor. We'll know the official word, you know, coming up probably about 5.15 or so about what their availability will be. Um, You know, Tyrese had missed the the couple of games in, in Detroit, and he was scheduled to play in Milwaukee on Thursday. And before we flew on Wednesday, in like the final five minutes of practice, he sprained his ankle. Um, and so that's why he's been out. He, he looks better. I mean, but you'll just have to wait and see. So, yeah, I mean, you, you've got to make sure you protect the player and don't put them out there in a situation where they can further, you know, injure themselves. Um, so that, so that's that's 
paramount, uh, especially even at this point of the year. Welcoming or facing off rather against the Hornets tonight. Uh, Gordon Hayward expected, at least from the the story on Pacers.com, expected to play in this matchup tonight. Where do you assess overall the scouting report of the Hornets? Obviously already met them a time or two this season uh, when the Pacers battle in Charlotte this evening. Yeah, I saw Gordon as he was uh, leaving the building. Uh, they had shoot around from 10 to 11. The Pacers went from 11 to noon. Um, you know, he's battled, you know, some injuries this year, shoulder, hamstring. He's, he's only played in 46 games. Uh, LaMelo Ball had season-ending right ankle surgery. Uh, they made a couple of moves at the trade deadline. Uh, they, they traded Mason Plumley out west of the Clippers. And Jalen McDaniels, who we saw, he's a really nice player. He's in Philadelphia now coming off the bench. So, you know, this is a team that has struggled. They were in the play in each of the last two years. I mean, last year they won 43 games. Uh, they've only won 22 this year. It's been a struggle. But they're always dangerous. Uh, they've got Terry Rozier, who he, he's hot and cold. I mean, he might go 0 for 7 from 3, or he might go 7 for 9 for 3. So, it, you know, it's a team that it's been a disappointing year, no question, in Charlotte. I think when they brought Steve Clifford back as the head coach, that they, they thought that they would be a team that could be playoff bound in the Eastern Conference. But they've really struggled. But... As, as I've seen in this league, I mean, if you're not ready to go, any team can get you. I mean, just last week, Boston goes down to Houston. Rockets have one of the worst records in the NBA, and the Rockets beat the Celtics uh, down in Houston. So we've seen that throughout the year. So uh, you've got to be ready to go each and every night. Chris, another little nugget from the game notes. I'm sure you're tracking this as well. 12 three-pointers away from a new franchise record from eight threes in a season. Uh, the 2021-2022 group uh just set that 997 is the total uh with just how the game is played today is that a mark that we could pretty much always expect to to be in contention particularly when you have a guy like uh, like buddy healed out there and tyrese halliburton yeah i i sort of make a note you know of uh, three-point shooting and it's you know how, how many times have you made 10 how many times has a team made 15 and 10 almost is should be just a given every night with you know, the number of threes that are, are shot. But I think Dane would agree. I mean, the game has changed uh, at the college level. It's changed at the NBA level. It's, you know, perimeter-oriented, quickness-oriented. As I said, you know, it, it appears to be wings. And you got to have good wings. you got to have good guards. And the analytics will, will tell you that, you know, you, you've got to make threes. I mean, that that's yeah. just simply the way the game is played. So, you know, no surprise that over the last couple of years that that number has grown. And it, you know, at some point, will it hit a ceiling? Yeah, probably. But, uh, you know, you're just seeing more and more guys capable of shooting the three, big guys that are capable of shooting the three, and it just spreads the floor out. Chris, last thing on my end, uh, I'm sure you're not taking time to fill out a second chance bracket, but as you look at the remaining 16, anybody you're hitching your wagon to on the college hoop side of things? I, I would say at some point, um, I mean, they didn't win it a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, they had a chance to. I, I get, I get Quinn about Quinn about this. I go, did you smile when Gonzaga got beat at Lucas Oil Stadium because they were trying to be undefeated, just like the '76 Hoosiers? Yeah. Um, at some point, you just feel like Gonzaga is going to do it, and may, and maybe this is the year they do it. I don't know. I know Andrew Nemhart's open. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, have a good call tonight, Chris. Enjoy the last road trip of the season, and thank you again for taking time with us. Thank you, Chris. Hey, thanks, guys.
That is Chris Denary, TV voice of your Indiana Pacers. You can catch him tonight, as always, on Bally Sports Indiana. And then, of course, our friend Mark Boyle going to be on the call here on the fan, 6.30 start time. You can catch it here. Pacers, Hornets approaching the home stretch, really in the home stretch, rather, of the regular season. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Inside the DriveHuber.com studios, Eddie, Eddie Garrison guiding us through the afternoon all day long. Alongside Dane Fife, I'm Jimmy Cook. Continuing along our March Madness roundup around the state. Definitely a shorter end than both fan bases, Indiana and Purdue, had in mind going into the NCAA tournament. And definitely a far quicker one than particularly the Purdue faithful had in mind going up against FDU this past Friday night. Ryan Newbert of goldenblack.com. Nice enough to take some time with us. Brian, for you, obviously the shock value is there. The frustration, I'm sure, is there as well. Uh, your initial reaction, take us back when that goes final on Friday night. I mean, it's uh, kind of all of Purdue's worst nightmares kind of converged um, from the shooting to the matchup issues to just the weight of the moment for that team. I kind of thought Purdue sort of overachieved all season. I didn't know, you know, how well they were built for March. Uh, it's sort of becoming increasingly difficult to play big uh, in the NCAA tournament as a lot of teams are sort of learning. Um, but it, it was shocking. Whatever, you know, kind of dynamics sort of went into it, you still can't lose to FDU. And that's what happened. They played small. Uh, they created some matchups. Purdue missed practice shots. You know, their streaky three-point shooting was one of their existential threats all season long. And it uh, it came to bear at the worst time. Brian, first of all, thank you for joining us. This is your You're first. Welcome. This is the first time back in the gauntlet for you. I know you're on the mend, getting healthy, so thank you for joining us. Uh, I was in the building, Brian, uh, in Columbus, and I said earlier, I I had a, I just had a knot in my stomach. I was a Purdue fan, Fletcher Lawyer, Coach Painter, Terry Johnson, Brandon Brantley, all those guys are the best. Fletcher Lawyer's from my hometown, recruited his brother Foster. I was I was in the twenty five percent of people in the arena that were rooting for Purdue and not chanting FDU the whole time, and so uh, and having been through the Michigan State Middle Tennessee State two fifteen game, uh, this was worse for me. I, it, it worse for in, in Purdue's case because when when I was with Michigan State and we're playing Middle Tennessee State, we were at least scoring, like we couldn't stop. Yeah. 
Middle Tennessee State, but we were at least scoring. And scoring creates a different feeling. Like, Purdue was stopping, I thought. They, they defended well enough to win the game against FDU. They couldn't score. And I think it speaks right. to you saying, hey, look, it's tough. And, and I just said, when you catch, I said, the one thing that I might have tried doing was not in practice, wasn't in the huddles. But if I'm Matt Painter, the one thing that I might have tried doing, and I don't know if they've done it all year, was to take Zach Eady out and see what your offense looks like. Because I played with Kirk Haston, as you probably remember, and when you catch the ball and see Kirk Haston's big butt wide open in the post, you're not looking at the rim. You're looking at Kirk. And I'm sure it looked like it was the same for Purdue. And then they'd catch and look and wait a minute, and I'm sure you've seen this throughout the season. Uh, And then they take the shot, a flat-footed three-point uh, shot. I saw Gillis take three flat foot foot ones. Right, the last right. one was like a curveball, and I think Gillis is a pretty dang good shooter. So my my question, my point and question is, um, as you said, it's it's probably something where it's not a big man's game as much anymore. And and Purdue did overachieve. Did you see the same thing that I saw in terms of um, perhaps a, an adjustment is? Is to is to go small and see what your team looks like a little bit. Yeah, go, uh, going small for Purdue means putting Trey Kaufman right in at center, and they still play through him when he's in there. Yeah, they you know Purdue's had a lot of success offensively this year using Zach Eady and Braden Smith and pick and roll late yep. in the season. That that kind of gotten that kind of got. I don't know if I want to say taken away, but I think people were a little more conscious of it, started loading up the lane a little bit more to take up some space. Um, so that was an important part of their offense early in the season. That sort of went by the wayside uh, later in the season. But I think FDU's strategy was just we're not even going to bother guarding shooters. If you guys make 23s, then we're going to live and die that way. And Purdue couldn't do it. And that's where I, I kind of thought Purdue played tight. I thought the weight of the moment really mm. kind of showed up for them. I thought, you know, um, if FDU loses that game, they're not the headline on ESPN that night. They don't have to go back to their fan base and get tweeted at, you know. Yep. Uh, that's kind of the nature of one team having everything to lose and the other team having nothing to lose. And I, I thought that Purdue looked like they were kind of kind of weighed down by that. And once you miss 10 threes, you know, the next 10 get a little dicey. And, you know, Purdue was a streaky three-point shooting team anyway. Yep. And yep. they were just dared to make practice shots. Yep. Those were those were pregame warm-up shots that, that they were being given. And they just couldn't make them. And that speaks to me like they just kind of felt the weight of it. And uh, they were kind of wishing the ball in the basket. Right. Well, I felt the weight of it. <laughs> you could feel it at home, and you could feel it in the arena. Yeah. 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 And, and so when you're watching as a – let's just put yourself in fan mode. Um, if you can. If you do your best. If you can. But when you're watching during the game, um, Brian, watching the game on the big screen um, – what what was your frustrations as you or put yourself in the shoes of a fan and what what was your frustration knowing what you know about the team going into the season throughout the season and then in the tournament well what was tough about this for purdue um is that you know this is three years in a row now you've lost a double digit seed um you know people this is the most final four hungry fan base i can I can imagine because it's been so long mm-hmm. and you know, that's a good thing and a bad thing. You yep. know, it's a good thing that your fans are passionate 
it's a bad thing when it gets weaponized and it becomes this kind of cloud of negativity around your program. And as soon as as soon as you know Purdue, uh, as soon as the Big Ten title game got close at the end, there was just this kind of sense of existential dread around the program among the fans. <laughs> Are you kidding and me? Wow! This is exactly this is exactly what a lot of people you know were afraid was going to happen, and now it, it kind of becomes Purdue's thing. I mean, it's it's. It's something that they just kind of have to sit in until they have another chance to kind of dispel it, and that's what they're going to have to do next season if they want this sort of cloud of negativity to kind of lift. Now, how much this stuff matters, I don't know, but you asked me the question from a fan's perspective. I don't know how much Purdue cares about perception, you know, kind of things like that, but perception's going to be what perception's going to be here. And, right. You know, things aren't going to be positive on social media and things aren't going to be positive on message boards. And, yep. you know, Purdue's going to hear it on CBS again next year that, um, you know, this team has lost three straight years to double-digit seeds, yep. all relatively uh, all relatively uh, similar games in the sense that the, they played somebody smaller and they right. couldn't guard them. And, Yep. You know, stuff like that. They couldn't impose their will on the game and right. kind of things like that. And it's going to haunt Matt Painter. It's going to haunt Purdue. And they just have to dispel it one of these years. Brian Newbert of Golden Black. Nice enough to take some time with us. You can follow him on Twitter at Brian Newbert. A great follow. Indeed. Oh, so what is his Twitter handle? It's a must. At it's Brian a- Newbert. Gosh, that's simple. Yeah. Sweet, elegant. If I could read, I'd get it, I could get it right. Uh, <laughs> Brian, Brian for, he's a great follow. No, he, he, indeed. He doesn't even say, he doesn't, you know, even when he tries not to say funny things, they are funny. <laughs> that's why I had him on here. He's, he's a stud. Is that a compliment? Yes. Well, the so things you do. My thoughts, my most carefully cultivated takes are still funny? No. No, I could. You, when you speak to the 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 upper echelon of intelligent people, which I put myself in that group, despite my ability to read, I recognize your joke, even despite you knowing that you're not really trying to be funny because they don't know. So you're both insightful and funny at the same time. It's usually your late night tweets that really get me go, really get me charged. <laughs> Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate that. Brian, you can wear either hat. The uh, Jimmy's an IU fan, by the, the way. Uh, I mean, that, I'm a Spartan fan. <laughs> Brian, when did you? When did it become real? Like as a fan or as a, as a reporter, either hat you want to wear there? Because for me, just watching it, about under eight and then under four, when this is still about a one point game or a one point disadvantage for Purdue is when it really got real for me that this might actually happen because still to that point regardless of the shots not falling I thought Purdue would still be able to whether it was force feeding Zach Eady or something they would pull through at the end of the day given the advantages they had when did it become real for you? Yeah, I think when Purdue went on that run in the second half to seemingly take control of the game, I can't remember if it was the first half or second half. They went up second. Yeah, I second half. They might have gone up ten or something like that. No, it, I don't think it was ten. It, it, it was a pretty decent lead, and as soon as FDU answered that, you know, I, I thought that all the pressure really shifted to Purdue, and um, I thought they had a problem on their hands. Uh, but you know. The, they just couldn't stay in front of the basketball. And that's one of the biggest things here about this outcome, too. You look at the number of points in the paint FDU had, really not acceptable. Um, 
from Purdue's perspective. I think that, you know, Purdue got figured out a little bit as the season went on. I think when you look at the Big Ten's results this weekend, I think part of Purdue's issue in the NCAA term is a Big Ten issue, too. I think, you know, you, you play 20-plus games where you're just punching each other in the face all season long. Yep. All of a sudden, you get hit with a very different style of play. And why that doesn't work in the Big Ten's favor, I can't tell you. Uh, Purdue has not been able to impose its will on these games the way you would think a team with a giant human would be able to. But the, the matchups have really gone against Purdue, where they right. run into these opponents that can spread them out. They're better than the teams that you play in non-conference. And people make threes, people drive on you. I think the same thing happened in Indiana last night. Um, even though even though Miami's a much better team than FDU, I, I just think the athleticism. Yeah, they got out-rebounded by yeah. 137. Yeah. Like, quickness matters more than height. You know, quickness and, and length matter more than height. Um, but I think Football. that, you know, P- Purdue just, you know, kind of plays its style, and yeah. its style is kind of tough. And I think I think the Big Ten, the whole, you know, kind of all across the board, the only teams that really, you know, spread Purdue out this year and tried to drive and shoot were, uh, were Penn State and Ohio State, and Purdue went 6-0 in those games, so... Right. You know, I don't know what to tell you, but you know, a couple of years ago, North, a couple of years ago, North, North Texas did it to Purdue last year. St. Peter's, to a lesser extent, did it to Purdue, and this year, obviously, it was uh, fairly Dickinson. What's the biggest factor to Zach Eady returning? Is it NIL? Is it getting a shot at redemption? Is it not liking where his stock could be? What's the biggest thing if he decides to ultimately give it one more go? Well, I think, you know, obviously he's not the most modern big man. Um, so I think that there's going to be a very narrow pool of interested parties. So I think the business side of this, you have to look at where he'd get drafted. I think he's having a blast at Purdue. I think he likes it, even though the actual basketball can't be all that much fun for him when he kind of he kind of takes the abuse he takes and all of that stuff. But I think that... Um, when you look at the money, I mean, the nature of college basketball nowadays is you can make just as much money in college probably as you could as a fringe, you know, draft pick. And uh, hey, if I'm Tim Hortons, I'm all over that coffee and donuts, <laughs> money. Tim Hortons. Uh, what's another good Canadian company? Um, do they have any? Uh, maybe uh, maybe ice hockey. Is ice hockey uh, franchised? Who made the beer in Strange Brew? Labatt's. <laughs> I don't think it was Labatt's. Um, you know, uh, the thing for him, though, is unless he can get like a U.S. work visa, all his stuff has to go through Canada. Oh. So that's why you don't really see mm. him. And that's why you don't really see him in commercials. You don't really. I think Brian's face and a lot of. Newbert's got of, a problem with Tim Hortons. <laughs> you don't like their munchkins. Fort Wayne now, you know. There's Timbits. Timbits. The Timbits aren't as good as the Dunkin' Munch, the Munchkin Donuts. Timbits. They don't have a selection. They've got one in Fort Wayne. That's good to yeah. hear. Timbits. I have never uh, been to Tim Hortons, so I'll take your word for it. <laughs> well, Zach might have a few coupons along with his NIL, Zach Eady. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, appreciate you making time for us. Thank yeah, you so no much problem. for all your coverage. Glad to hear you're doing better. You can follow him at Brian Newbert Indeed. on Twitter. He is a great, not a good, not a good as Dockage say, not a good, a great follow as Dockage would say. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Brian, thanks, man. See ya. Yeah.